Future Babylon, a capital city with tremendous political and religious sway. Her wicked influence dominates the nations of the world and their leaders. Future Babylon exports her false religion and sorcery without regard for truth. A sprawling metropolis built on lies, corruption, and the blood of martyrs. Merchants flow in and out of her with gold and silver, precious spices, and human souls. Although Babylon will again become a powerful city in every way, one day in the future, she will meet her fiercest enemy yet, the God of Israel, and she will fall, never to rise again. You are listening to the Tove Podcast. Welcome to the Tove Podcast. My name's Levi Hazen. I have the privilege of being your host for today, as well as serving as the Executive Director of Life and Messiah International. If you are unfamiliar with Life and Messiah, well, we've been sharing God's heart for the Jewish people for over 135 years. Our staff are passionately and faithfully declaring the gospel in Jewish communities all over the globe. You can learn more about the work that God is doing by visiting us on the web at lifeinmessiah.org. Well, in last week's episode, The Future Rise and Fall of Babylon, we covered two separate passages that reveal crucial information about the future of Babylon. First, we referenced Zechariah chapter 5 and the strange vision of a woman in a basket. There, we learned that the woman represents wickedness and she was placed in the land of Shinar, which is Babylon. We also covered Isaiah chapters 13 and 14. There, we learned first that Babylon will rise again, for if it's to fall, it must be established again. Second, concerning the timing of Babylon's destruction, we learned that it'll be obliterated during the future day of the Lord, the tribulation period. Third, and also concerning the timing, we learned that Babylon's destruction will coincide with Israel's return to the Lord and their land. This narrows the timing of Babylon's downfall to the end of the tribulation period. Finally, we provided clear textual evidence that the destruction of Babylon provided by Isaiah did not happen when Babylon fell to the Medes in 539 B.C. There, Babylon fell somewhat peacefully. Rather, Babylon's rise and fall awaits a future fulfillment. For the second part of our series, we turn our attention to the book of Revelation. Although we'll also reference Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51, two long chapters that further describe Babylon's destruction, our primary text today will be Revelation chapters 17 and 18. Today, we'll list seven key observations about future Babylon. Our first observation is that future Babylon will rise to become a wicked city with great influence. 
We learn this reality from multiple passages, but especially Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. There it says the following, quote, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Come, I'll show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who sits on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. So he carried me away in the spirit to a desert. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She had a gold cup in her hand filled with everything vile and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead, a cryptic name was written, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the vile things of the earth. Then I saw that the woman was drunk on the blood of the saints and on the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. End quote. Our first observation, again, is that Babylon will rise to become a wicked city with great influence. Referring to her future influence, Dr. Charles Ryrie writes, quote, Her octopus-like arms reach out far beyond any single city. End quote. Although it's sometimes debated whether Revelation chapter 17 and 18 are referring to a literal rebuilt Babylon or a revived Roman Empire, because Isaiah 13 and 14 and Jeremiah 50 and 51 speak very literally about a city of Babylon, I think it's best to also see Revelation chapters 17 and 18 as also being about a literal Babylon. Otherwise, it's as if Isaiah and Jeremiah write about Babylon, a real place. But then we get to the book of Revelation and the Apostle John says, Gotcha. You thought the prophets were referring to a literal Babylon, but it's all symbolic. It's actually really about Rome, a completely different city. Or it's about some world commercial enterprise. You see, in my opinion, the Bible's not a gotcha book. God's not trying to keep the clear, simple meaning of His Word from us. He gave us His Word in written form so that it could be studied, meditated on, learned, and implemented. Yes, there are certain realities that God is keeping hidden. He's not revealed everything to us. But the text of Scripture is not one of the hidden things. We're supposed to know the Bible, to hide it in our hearts, to teach it to our children. The Word has been given to inform us, to encourage us, to equip us, not to trick us over the centuries. Now, before we move on to our second observation, I want to make one more note about the passage we just read. Babylon is said to be setting on a scarlet beast. This is obviously another strange vision. Well, that beast is best understood to be the Antichrist. For a short time, it appears Babylon will be the Antichrist's capital before it's destroyed by God. And the beast, the Antichrist, is said to have seven heads and ten horns. Now, these are best understood to be seven kings and a ten-nation federation who all give their authority to the Antichrist 
during the tribulation period. This is a sort of one-world government that mimics the future messianic government of King Messiah. If you're interested in further biblical study on the Antichrist, his influence and attributes, I encourage you to listen to an earlier episode called Christ vs. Antichrist. You can find that at lifeandmessiah.org by clicking on the Tove podcast tab at the top of the page. Our second observation comes from the book of Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. Here, we learn that Babylon becomes a place for demons to dwell after her destruction. Quote, After this I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by a splendor. He cried in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a dwelling for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her excessive luxury. End quote. On part one of our series, we learned from Isaiah chapter 13 that Babylon would be uninhabited, except to maybe some animals. No one will live there. Here, in Revelation chapter 18, we see why. Unclean spirits will apparently take up residence in Babylon, along with detestable beasts. Commenting on this passage, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum says, quote, With its destruction, Babylon is to become a habitation for demons. This will be the place of demonic abode and confinement during the Messianic Age. This is hardly true of Babylon today. The reason for this severe judgment of Babylon will be the global political and economic corruption originating in this city because of Antichrist's rule. End quote. Our third observation is that Jewish people are encouraged to flee Babylon before she's destroyed. We learn this from several passages, the first being in Revelation chapter 18, verses 4 through 8. Quote, Then I heard another voice from heaven. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, give her that much torment and grief, for she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I'm not a widow, and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in one day, death and grief and famine. She'll be burned up with fire, because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. End quote. This command to flee Babylon can also be found in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 8, where it says, quote, Flee from the midst of Babylon and go out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be as male goats before the flock. For behold, I am stirring up and bringing against Babylon a gathering of great nations from the north country, and they shall array themselves against her. End quote. 
And again, we see this command in Jeremiah 51, verse 6, where it says, quote, Flee from the midst of Babylon. Let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance, the repayment he is rendering her. End quote. Our fourth observation is that the world will mourn Babylon's future fall. This is clearly seen in Revelation chapter 17, verses 9 through 11. Quote, The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and lived luxuriously with her will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. The merchants of the earth will also weep and mourn over her because no one buys their merchandise any longer. End quote. God's disdain and outpoured wrath on the harlot of Babylon may be in the future, but we can certainly learn some principles for living today from this passage. You see, just as God will urge people to flee the harlot city and her rampant wickedness in the future, so today, believers are encouraged to flee the sins of this world. To flee the sins of sexual immorality and financial fraud. To flee the sins of greed and lust and pride. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, quote, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle, is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does God's will remains forever. End quote. Now that we've covered four observations about future Babylon's rise and fall, it's time for a break. When we come back, we'll make three more observations about the rise and fall of future Babylon. Since 1887, Life in Messiah has helped Christians understand the Jewish roots of our faith and God's ongoing commitment to His people. We teach that anti-Semitism is inconsistent with biblical faith, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which includes her spiritual renewal as well as physical safety. In all we do, our priority is to share the gospel message. Connect with us at lifeinmessiah.org. That's lifeinmessiah.org. Welcome back to the Tove Podcast. We are discussing the future rise and fall of Babylon on this second of a two-part series. So far, we've made four observations today about future Babylon based on the book of Revelation chapters 17 and 18 and the book of Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51. First, we observed that Babylon will rise to become a wicked city with great influence. Second, we observed that Babylon will become a place for demons to dwell after her destruction. Third, we observe that Jewish people are encouraged to flee Babylon before she's destroyed. And our fourth observation is that after she's destroyed, the world will mourn Babylon's fall. Now, we move on to our fifth observation. Our fifth observation 
is this. Babylon's downfall will coincide with Israel's restoration. This reality can clearly be seen in Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 17 through 20, where Jeremiah prophesies the following, quote, Israel is a stray lamb chased by lions. The first who devoured him was the king of Assyria. The last one who crushed his bones was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Therefore, this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says, I am about to punish the king of Babylon and his land, just as I punished the king of Assyria. I will return Israel to his grazing land, and he will feed on Carmel and Bashan. He will be satisfied in the hill country of Ephraim and of Gilead. In those days and at that time, this is the Lord's declaration, one will search for Israel's guilt, but there will be none, and for Judah's sins, but they will not be found. For I will forgive those I leave as a remnant. You see, in this particular passage, we learned that the punishment of Babylon will coincide or will be around the same time as Israel's repentance when she is cleansed of her sin. As we've said previous times on the Tove podcast, this cleansing of Israel's sin takes place at the very end of the tribulation period and will only happen when Israel welcomes Jesus the Messiah, as she is prophesied to do in several Bible passages, including Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, when Jesus connects his return to Jerusalem with their welcoming of him. Also, the prophet Zechariah connects his return to their welcoming of him in Zechariah chapter 14. Our sixth observation is this. The waters of Babylon will be significantly impacted when God pours out his judgment. This reality is clearly seen in three different passages. The first is Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 38, which says, quote, A drought against her waters, that they may be dried up. For it is a land of images, and they are mad over idols. End quote. The second passage is the next chapter, Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 36 and 37, where it says, quote, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will plead your cause and take vengeance for you. That's a reference to God taking vengeance for Israel. I will dry up her sea and make her fountain dry, and Babylon will become a heap of ruins, the haunt of jackals, a horror and a hissing without inhabitant. End quote. And the third passage comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verse 12. This passage is describing the sixth bowl judgment during the tribulation period. There, we read the following, quote, The sixth poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. End quote. So, in those three passages, we can clearly see that the Euphrates River and likely other water sources, possibly the Tigris River as well, will be greatly impacted by the outpouring of God's wrath. One further note on this last passage, Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. Notice we read that the Euphrates River was dried up to, quote, prepare the way for the kings from the east, end quote. 
these kings from the east are likely the Antichrist and his allies, the same seven kings mentioned in Revelation chapter 17. And they are coming for a vile reason. Here's a summary explanation. First, why do I say the kings from the east are the Antichrist and his allies? Well, it should be pointed out that when in the east is used in the Bible, it always refers to Mesopotamia, not China. The Bible must be our guide to the meaning of words that were written thousands of years ago, but are still relevant today. The modern usage of a word is not a factor as we interpret a passage. It must be the Bible's use of a word. That's why the context and usage of a word are the most important factors when determining the meaning of a word. The meaning of a word is the basis for the meaning of a whole sentence, or of a whole paragraph, and so on. So even though most people think of China today when we talk about an army, a nation, or a people from the East, that's not the case in the biblical record. Just one other example is the wise men of Matthew chapter 2. There we read, quote, Wise men from the East arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. End quote. The wise men were likely not of Chinese descent. It's more likely the wise men referenced in the birth narrative were learned Jewish scholars from Babylon, where a large portion of the Jewish population still resided after being exiled by the Babylonians in 586 BC. In fact, a Jewish population resided in modern Iraq all the way up until Israel's statehood in 1948 when the Jewish population was expelled from Iraq. So, the kings of Revelation chapter 16, who are coming from the east, are likely the kings from the region of Mesopotamia, likely Babylon. This region is a swath of land that comprises portions of Syria, Turkey, Iran, and Iraq. And why are these kings from the east coming? The next few verses in Revelation chapter 16 tell us why. Verses 13 through 16 says the following, quote, Then I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming from the dragon's mouth, from the beast's mouth, and from the mouth of the false prophet. Now, in that one verse there, we have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. That's the unholy trinity, which includes Satan, the dragon, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, who is supposed to mimic the Holy Spirit. We continue in verse 14. They are the spirits of demons performing signs, who travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle of the great day of God, the Almighty. Verse 15. And here are the words of the Messiah. Look, I'm coming like a thief, the one who is alert and remains clothed, so that he may not go around naked, and people see his shame is blessed. Then verse 16. So they assembled them at the place called in Hebrew, Har-Megiddo, or Armageddon. End quote. You see, it appears the Antichrist will march forth from his capital city of Babylon. He will muster his forces together at Armageddon, which is the Jezreel Valley in northern Israel. 
and then they will go up to attack the holy city, Jerusalem. They will have a rage and a wrath that comes from the pit of hell. If you want to learn more about that future battle, which culminates in the Jewish Messiah's return and deliverance of his people from the armies of the Antichrist, I encourage you to listen to an earlier episode titled, The Future Battle for Jerusalem. This particular teaching is also available on video at Life and Messiah's YouTube channel. Just find Life and Messiah on YouTube and search for The Battle for Jerusalem. While you're there, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you're notified each time we release a new video. If you like the content on the Tove podcast, you're going to love the content on Life and Messiah's YouTube channel. You can hear from a variety of Life and Messiah staff about all kinds of issues relating to faith, prophecy, and the Jewish people. Our seventh and final observation about future Babylon comes from Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 24. Our observation is that those who curse or attack God's people, the Jewish people, will pay a high price. Verse 24 of Jeremiah 51 says the following, quote, I will repay Babylon and all the residents of Chaldea for all their evil they have done in Zion before your very eyes. End quote. You see, Babylon played a major role in the persecution of the Jewish people in both the past, with the invasion, destruction, and deportation of his chosen people back in 586 BC, but also, Babylon will persecute and murder the Jewish people during the tribulation period. And God will simply not let that stand. Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 promises us that those who bless Israel and the Jewish people will themselves receive a blessing. But those people, including individuals, including nations, if they decide to curse them, they will pay a high price that's simply not worth the cost. I hope you've enjoyed this in-depth study on our two-part series about the future rise and fall of Babylon. If you've enjoyed this series, chances are your friends and family would too. Feel free to take the link and pass it on. Thank you so much for listening to the Tove Podcast. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.